Hi, my name is Doug Ramshaw. I'm the president of Minera Alamos, uh, a gold producer uh, focused on building gold mines in Mexico, and I'm delighted to be sitting down with Matt again today. Doug, lovely to see you. Um, good to have you back on the show. Three things I want to talk about. One, when are you changing the uh, color of the wall behind you? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. We, need, we need an upgrade. Want an upgrade. Burgundy red, just for you. It's too much. We need a change. Uh, secondly, obviously, look, yeah, big congratulations. You got into production. It's rarefied air. Not many people get here. So well done. Um, any, any, well, there's a few delays along the way as well. So, I mean, what, what's, what's your yeah. thoughts about how, how you've managed uh, to get here? Yeah, I mean, hopefully we can now forget about COVID, but it, it did create delays. Uh, it even created a modest cost overrun because time is money. So instead of 10 million Canadian, we built a gold mine in the middle of a pandemic for 10 million US. So really a testament to our team down there. Um, we were about six months behind schedule. Um, mining started in June as opposed to right at the beginning of the year. Uh, so, you know, we were slap bang in the middle of the rainy season. I think I was t talking to you about that a couple of months ago. That fortunately passed and uh, leaching commenced end of August. And we're seeing very, very good early leaching results. And, and during this ramp up phase, that's more critical to me than you know the slow and steady buildup of mining rates. So um, yeah, it's it's been a fantastic journey. Okay, so the, the nice headline: Santana uh, project achieves first gold production, but it's about sustaining it, it's about <laughs> building it, and it's about making money. So can you give some thoughts about you know what Santana's actually going to be able to do for you in 2022? Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping very early on in the new year we'll we'll declare commercial production. Um, Commercial production, I think, for heap leaches is, is a kind of a, a double metric to get there. It's not just about your leach curves and your recoveries. You've also got to get your mining rate up to a sustainable level as well. Um, I don't think it's quite the same as looking at a, a milling operation and saying, oh, we're up to 80% of nameplate capacity for 60 days commercial production. Uh, for us, Consistent mining, and we're seeing a ramping up of that uh, over the last few months, along with the with the recovery. So maybe we could declare a little December-ish, but I think it will be a new year thing. And then first year production at Santana is modest, uh, is probably in the 30,000 ounce range. Uh, the key thing, though, is we are already, as of October, I think at the operations level, we're making net cash. Um, and we normally think of that as probably a six month process to get to that point. We, we've done that within about four. So we're ahead of schedule on the ramp up. Next year, we'll be making money and looking to reinvest that in growing that starting production base. Right. Okay. That's worth being clear about. So it's, it's net on the project at a project level. You've got two other projects. Um, have your plans changed since we last spoke about how you move? Well, certainly one of them forward. No, I think Cerradora will, you know, all being well, we should get our permit applications in around year end. It's been a couple of months delay on that as well. Um, I hate delays. I, I think that's been the worst thing about the pandemic is we used to be incredibly accurate with our guidance and fluidity entered the world in, in all manner of aspects. Uh, 
So I'm looking forward to getting back to that. The fact that we're ahead of schedule on Santana is is a breath of fresh air, really, against our, our timeline. So we're, we're ahead of schedule. So that's good. Um, Serador, hopefully we can uh, be close to starting construction there towards the end of next year, and it can come on stream sometime mid-2023. So that's now suddenly we can be a two-mine operation, and it's no bad thing because we can get a few more extra quarters of finances coming off of Santana um, to help support both those activities at Serador and, and obviously inward investment into the Santana project too. Right. And, and that, that that net number is, is is looks like, well, I just want to get some numbers um, here and so an understanding. And you may not have given guidance to the market yet about 2022, but can you give yeah. us an idea? Yeah. I mean, we will give formal guidance, I think, upon announcing commercial production. Uh, you know, Santana is a $1,000 an ounce ASIC uh, project. So, you know, $1,700, $1,800 gold. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be making good money, um, even in its first iteration of production, um, you know, operating cash flow at, you know, 30,000 ounces a year at $1,800 gold would be, you know, in the in the order of 25 million. Um, again, you know, Santana is starting out modestly and will grow. So, uh, but I think what's most important for us and for our shareholders is, is understanding that, you know, a good startup they don't have to worry about us going back to the market. They have a problem with a lot of mining startups. That's exactly what they've had to do. And there have been examples. I won't name them. I think we know a lot of the producers have gone into production in the last couple of years. It's been a trial uh, for them. Um, so the fact that we can already be, I think, at the operations level, we we will have stopped. We have stopped the burn at operations level. We have a very limited corporate overhead. Um, you know, by by the new year, we should be making making money at the corporate level, not just at the operations level. Will you be making enough to ensure that you can stick to what you just said, which is you don't need to dip into the market? Everything, unless we are doing a fourth project or doing some kind of deal. What we have in place right now is sufficient to support the business model um, without going back to the equity market. Something the bankers hate, but our, our shareholders should love to hear. Right. Well, absolutely. No dilation. Fantastic. But um, so if, if, if I kind of then project forward a bit, again, just trying to help people understand the sort of business that you are. Producer now. Nice. Um, you know, you'd expect a kind of re-rate. People will say, when you get into production, there's a re-rate coming. You didn't get that. And that's possibly, possibly due to your friends at a Cisco, isn't it? I think it's a combination of things. Uh, you know, the way we, I'll tackle what I think was causing the lack of re-rate before the Cisco sell, um, because I, I was anticipating it was going to take time. It wasn't the traditional re-rate. I don't actually want to be, I'll give an example, Pure Gold were a billion dollar market cap, $3 a share when they poured their first gold. And, and, and you see where they are now. So if we can stealthily come into the re-rate, I'm fine with that. Because of how we built Santana without a PEA out there or anything else, I think even more the inst institutions and investors are saying, this is a show me story. So let's see the ramp up. Maybe we even need to see a quarter or two of financials thereafter.
second half of 2022, I think, is when our share register becomes more institutional as they see us as, as not just, oh, you're a producer, well done, but, oh, oh, you're, you're, you're doing actually really quite well with this. But they needed to see those filings first to, to be able to make that decision and determination. Well, absolutely. There's, there's that comment. I do want to come back to the Cisco thing. Is yeah. um, You're also going to need to show and demonstrate scale consistently, right? 30,000 ounces is kind of neither here nor there, right? Well, and I, I actually gave this presentation at, at the Denver Gold Show. The problem with a lot of ju junior producers is they are forever junior producers. They don't achieve escape velocity from that. Uh, they've scaled an operation around a global resource and that's all it is. It's 45, 50,000 ounces a year, it can't grow. And maybe they've got another project in the pipeline, but by the time that's permitted and built, and maybe the capital cost of it, all it's really doing is replacing the production for the first. So they are these perpetual sub 100,000 ounce uh, operations. When we pick up a project, it has to meet two criteria, really just two. Can we build it? And if we build it in its first iteration, can it grow? And if, it, and if we see both of those, then we'll do the deal and we'll, we'll build it and then we'll look to grow it. So whilst all our projects start out in that, you know, really in their base case as they scale up is the 50,000 ounce a year operations that are the hallmark of junior producers. Each one of them, we see the potential for them to grow to be more like 80, 100,000 ounce a year plus producers. Now, suddenly, you've got not just growth from bringing on a series of these mines, but organic growth in each of those. Now, you can build up a very impressive production profile with very limited capital cost um, and, and achieve that escape velocity, actually enter the world of intermediates um and and leave the junior producer profile behind pretty rapidly you had a great response last year from the market about what you're doing the story that you're telling the way that you're going about it um and the simplicity of what, what you're doing really are you concerned now that you're going to need the second project to come online like 2023 come online before you do get this re-rate so you know do you know what i mean because the, the ramp up is maybe it's not going to be quick enough for the market. We're building something which I hope can, can be one of the, the new growth gold producers for this cycle. A lot of the big companies, let's face it, they can't organically grow. Um, even the mid-size mid are having to amalgamate. You know, it's very hard when you're at a few million ounces or six million ounces a year to grow organic. They've gone through that exciting phase. So I'm not in a rush to, to try to do too much too quickly, because I think that's where companies get into trouble. What we are looking to do is be relevant, not just now or next year, but 10 years from now. And, and I think this 10 years ahead of us is probably the most exciting uh, and dynamic phase of any gold producer, you know, um, because you can grow. And, and so even if at some point during that market, the gold prices come off, a lot of companies that really are valued now quarter to quarter on what the gold price does. 
you know, we can be show we can be a true growth story at a time where other companies are struggling because because of cost inflation and falling falling metals prices. And so uh, I'm unfortunately I'm just about young enough that I can see that ten years through. Um, you know, we have a young dynamic team that want to want to build something special. Okay, let's get on to Cisco. They didn't do you any favors. Yeah. Why didn't you coordinate with them? Um, what happened? I'm I'm going to start by saying what I have said so many times, um, more times than people have seen my red wall behind me. Um, we are not the company we are today without the early support of a Cisco. And we are forever grateful for that. Uh, a Cisco uh, royalties, when they spun out a Cisco development, um, they moved a large chunk of their equity book, including our equity, over to ODEV. And in that original presentation at the time of the spin-out, they talked about the equity bit book being a source of potential future funding. Totally understandable. If I'm a shareholder of ODEV, that's exactly what I would want them to be doing with that instead of lots of equity raises. And they do spend a lot of money. I mean, you know, they went through $70 million in the last quarter. So I, I get why they're needing to sell. I always looked at that 17% holding in us. I had people that would say to me, oh, it's a bit of an overhang on the stock. I go, 17, it's not because it's so big. You have to do, you'll have to do something in a very structured, organized manner. I, I have reached out to them in the last 12 months, early, you know, earlier this year. I said, look, when you're ready, like with my bankers who know the file very well, you know, let's do a secondary. It worked very well when you needed to dispose on Victoria Gold. Worked out very well for the buyer of your stock as well, but it, it, it served its purpose for you. And, and that way, I, I take great pride in us having a very orderly ma market. And unfortunately... Um, it hasn't been handled that way, not through the lack of trying on my part or my banker's part. Um, and I, I can only speak for us in this regard, but it has created, it has introduced disorder to a very orderly market. And, and I don't think has served our shareholders well, and I share their frustration. Um, but I also think when you are spending a lot of money and you have an equity book, which is a great way to, you know, refresh the coffers, you know, you want to maximize the value of that equity book. So I don't think it served a lot of, you know, the, probably only served the broker handling the trades well. Yeah, no, um, it, it, it was lazy. They, they, they could have got more money out of it if, if they'd done a, uh, you know, if it had been more measured and calculated and you worked together. Yeah. Okay. Understood, but I just wanted you to kind of just say it. it's not like you didn't try. You you oh, no. reached you had reached out. Okay, fine. Is there any more overhang? Oh yeah, I, I would guess it's like I, I feel like it's a game of how many bottles on the wall, and it's like sixty-eight million bottles of beer on the wall, sixty-eight million bottles of beer. I mean, so far they've only filed for ten percent of their holdings. You know, and not surprisingly, you sell 10% to the share and leave 90% there, you create the perception of an overhang. So out of something that should never have overhung the stock, you've created one. Congratulations. There have been a number of crosses this week, no filing yet on, on those, but the same broker, same, same action in the stock, another 11 million shares crossed this week. 
So that would take them down to about 56 million, I think, 50. Um, and for me and my bankers and institutions I, I know, we'd just like to rip the Band-Aid off. That, that helps everyone. And that's what I continue to, to work to do. Um, and But it, it's been frustrating, Matt, because I think for the first time, I felt pretty powerless, even though I've been trying. <laughs> It was kind of an interesting time, actually. I, I, I would be, with my banking hat on, I'd be, le- I'd be less concerned at this moment because of the fact that you just, you're producing and, mm-hmm. you know, able to produce cash now, which is nice, um, than perhaps if you were still in the development stage where it, it could yes. be problematic. It could be, you know, it could be a very, very damaging process indeed. Um, okay, so one assumes that the offer is still there, that you are picking up the phone and saying, look, let us help you with this. Yeah, I, I did Have again they responded, this morning. Though? Have they responded? In Have the they... meantime, I'm buying, I'm buying the stock myself. I can't buy 58 million shares, but I've, I've been buying in the market myself instead, knowing full well whose stock I'm, effectively I'm buying. But it is, it's a Monero stock issue. It's not a Monero story issue. And as such, you can get past that. If it was a Monero story, like if, if you've got a leaching problem, if you've got a Relief Canyon-like situation, that's a that's a America's Gold and Silver story issue. And we saw how quickly that snowballed into a, 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 a calamitous situation for shareholders. This will pass. I'm just, I'm doing everything I can to make it pass as quickly as possible. But have they come back and said, okay, uh, we'll, we'll accept some help from your brokers in terms of how, you know, get, getting rid of the overhang completely, I say ripping off the Band-Aid, or are they doing it on their Not own? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. And, and, and it seems it, it's odd because bankers that have worked with me over the last couple of years, like me, have clarity on where the potential bias would be. So you would think that that would be the best way to fight, you know, to match here. If we're playing a game of stock Tinder, you know, you, you can go a different route with a different broker and all you're going to be doing is swiping the wrong way, um, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Okay. Well, um, let's see what happens. Let's see how it, pl- let's see how it plays out. Let's see if it... If it and, and then the other, the other bit of this, which I guess would be for you in terms of feeling powerless, is you don't know into what type of hands it is being swapped into as well you'd, you'd want you'd want to be in control of the type of investor that you've got and is there any way of at, at any point understanding who that i mean that's one of the biggest problems it, the, the the stock actually could have been incredibly beneficial for monero we don't need to do equity raises which is how institutions like to get positioned but now as cash generating it's like we can broaden our institutional ownership by just doing a secondary, you know, and, and positioning those institutions that way. That would have been a far more effective way of taking that 17% wedge and making it 17% more institutions in our stock. Instead, you don't have any of that color on, on where the stock is ending up. I know a lot of people that have been taking advantage of this um, this uh, weakness and this liquidity. I mean, for anyone who ever questioned our liquidity, you know, we've you know we've traded 60, 60 million shares in the last five weeks. We're more liquid than the than the Pacific, I think, right now. So um, 
but yeah, it's the lack of control on it. So it's unfortunate, but we'll we'll work through it. Okay. Look, those, those are the points I want to just talk to you about, really. It was really just trying to understand what, what's going to happen to this overhang. Say, well done on getting into production. Not a lot of people do. Um, we can pick up another time and talk about, you know, what's happening at project level. And maybe you can come and talk to one of our analysts, uh, you know, about the technicalities of moving the, the other two projects uh, into, nearer into production too. Doug, as always, fantastic to see you. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it.